Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. All right. I got a face scan to open my iPad. <laughs> you guys doing good? Yes. Are you, are you ready to be challenged this morning? Wow, that was way less enthusiastic. Are you ready to be challenged this morning? All right, good. <laughs> oh, man. Can we just, let's just pray this morning real quick. Lord, thank you for what you have for us this morning. I pray right now that our hearts would be open to hear from you, to receive from you, God. Lord, to be challenged in our walk, to be challenged in the way that we live life, that we think about life, the way that we approach life. Lord, that this morning wouldn't just be another Sunday. Lord, that we would leave challenged with ways, Lord, to actually step closer to you. Lord, that our relationship with you this morning, God, would be put into a new place, into a new level. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, what we're going to be talking about is to be like Christ, right? So this is sort of the point of what Jesus did. He didn't just die and, and, and resurrect just to give you a ticket into heaven. There's an actual process of transformation that he intends for you. And our standard for life, our standard in living life is Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. Your standard for living life is Jesus Christ. So anything in your life that doesn't measure up to the standard of him needs to grow. Needs to be challenged. It needs to be matured. All of a sudden it got real quiet. Dustin, you started too deep this morning. It's too early. It's too early. Listen, our life should be nothing less than representing Jesus in every aspect. In your marriage, in your parenting, in your job, in the way you do your taxes. Uh Uh-oh. In the way you drive your car, the way you speak to the police officer when he pulls you over to give you a ticket. The way you approach the person that cuts you off at Starbucks when you only have five minutes to get to work and you're late and you need coffee and, you know what I'm saying? Yes? It got real quiet real fast. Come on, guys. Come on. We, we have to be real about how we live life and where we have stewarded immaturity in our life. See, everyone gets old, but maturity is up to you. Do you guys hear that? Everyone gets old, but maturity is a choice. It's a process that you have to dedicate yourself to. See, I don't want to be a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years and still be the same age spiritually that I was when I first got saved. God intends for you to mature through your Christian walk. There's circumstances, challenges, problems, trials that are intended to produce growth in your life. They're not intended to beat you down or to make you hate life or any other reason. They're actually intended to cause growth, to cause this pressure that you would actually rise to that occasion. When I was a kid, one of the most insulting things you could ever hear. Are you ready? Would you just grow up? Oh, yeah. How many of you guys... You guys know what I'm talking about. Even just saying it, like, would you just grow up? It just, it feels like, oh, there's like this part of you that just dies, right? Especially when you're 12, 
12, 11, maybe 13. And that, that person that maybe like a, for me, it was like a girl that maybe is 15, 16. She's kind of cute. And I'm like hanging out. I'm like, hey, hi. She's like, just grow up. Oh, everything inside of you just dies. You just have to go and hide, right? There's something, there's something about that that we inherently want to be mature. We, we like automatically want people to look at us and think, oh, wow, yeah, they're, they're, they're mature. They can handle their, themselves. They can make healthy choices. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like this is, it's, it's, it's inbred in us. It's like it's part of our DNA to be grown up. Every kid wants to be grown up. And once you reach a certain age, you want to stop growing. I understand. I'm almost there. Not quite. I'm feeling strong. I, I got the cast off my hand. And then I went, praise God, which is awesome. No surgery, which is also I was very thankful for. I went to go do something, though. And it's incredible how weak you get when you don't use your hand. Do you know what I'm saying? My whole arm, like I went to go pick up my, my, my two-year-old. And like after about like 10 seconds, my arm is just dying. It's just like, oh, no, what happened? Just because I haven't used it. Your life is the same way. Your character is the same way. If you don't use it, it's going to atrophy and it's going to get weak. And then you're going to face a real situation and you're not going to have the interior, the inside strength to handle that. Oh, man. All right. Maturity is not doing something great for a short time or for a specific event. Sometimes we, we have something that happens in life and we're like, yes, you see, I'm mature. Look at the mature choice I made. You made a good choice. You may have even made a wise choice. That does not mean you're mature. Maturity is built on consistency. I'm going to say that again. Maturity is built on consistency. It's the repetition of healthy choices. You guys hear that? It's the repetition of healthy choices. It's not one choice. It's not two. It's not three. It's 15, 20, 30, 50 choices where you continue to make healthy choices. That is what maturity is built on. This is really important because sometimes we get in a situation, maybe we're tempted with something, maybe, you know, maybe you're like, I'm going to start eating good, right? And so you're like, yes, you post it on, Inst- on your new Fitstagram account, Dustin Box Fit, right? And you're like, I'm going to post all these healthy foods I'm eating and, and everything. And, and, and you, you go to the store and then you get invited to a birthday party, right? <laughs> oh. And then they have like cakes and stuff and you're like, ah, that's fine. And then, then they roll out with like, some like designer ice cream. Yeah. Oh, I just saw some of those faces. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me right now. I'm just going to say, oh man, right? They, they, and you're just like, ah, oh, just, just once, you know? And then you're like, you're like no, I'm not going to do it. You go home and you're like, I did it. I'm fit. No, you said no to ice cream one time. <laughs> that does not make you healthy. All right. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back and then do it again. All right? This is what maturity is. Maturity is being able to make those healthy choices consistently. It's that you've built enough strength to keep making healthy choices. Everyone gets old, but maturity is up to you. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been helping uh, a friend. Uh, some of you guys know Johnny Chai. He has a, a fitness studio, Five Stones, in San Francisco. And so he was on vacation and, and traveling and stuff. And so I was actually down there. Oh, man, I had to get up at 4.45 in the morning for like two and a half weeks. Thank you. Thank you. He knows. Oh, man. 
drive down to the city and open up his gym for him and then kind of help supervise some of his classes and stuff. It was super fun. I had a great time, right? I'm going to tell you what. I was blown away at these people that were dedicated getting up to work out. And he's, he's had clients for 10 years, some of them. And we're talking uh, one, uh, some of the class of the 6 to 7 range. There's a crew of people that are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that are shredded. Yeah. And like legit ripped. And they, they, they go in there. And when they come walking out, I'm kind of like, why I, am I here? Like, what am, I, what am I supposed to be doing? And they get in there and they, they're working out. And what's insane is I would watch what they would do. And, and some of them, some of, these, some of these ladies, I mean, are legit strong. Like you'd walk like, oh my gosh. And they go over there and they pick up the 5, 10, 15 pound weights. Not super heavy, but they're consistent. They go in four, five days a week and they lift. Consistent resistance in their life. And over the course of time, their body begins to adjust. And, and to watch 70-year-olds doing jump squats, no problems. Jump squats is like when you do like a low squat and you explode into a jump. I don't, hey, who said that? Who said that? Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I just had a broken hand. I just had a broken hand, okay? Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but it's, it was absolutely insane. And this is actually what got me thinking about this process, is to watch people just consistently give themselves to continual resistance and to just go in and to just to do it right. And what's insane is to watch them do that and then to, them, to be there for like years and to still listen to input. To allow themselves to be corrected on their form. To be, to be in this situation of like, I will never stop learning. I'm going conti- to show up. Oh, there's a new uh, move. Oh, are we supposed to do that like single leg squat, right? Okay, so your foot's here. You, your knee's a little far forward. And it's just because like to stay healthy in your knee. Does that make sense? And they're there day in and day out doing that. I was blown away. And it got me thinking about one of the things that we miss in our Christian walk. And this is this thing called consistency. Consistency. That one time you chose not to argue in a negative way with your spouse is not maturity. That's a good choice. Maturity is doing that continually over time. Wisdom and maturity is not the same thing. I'm going to say that again. Wisdom and maturity is not the same thing. See, I can know all of the correct technique on how to work out. I can know all of the proper form. I can know every single way that you can lift weights in a way that doesn't get you hurt. It doesn't make me strong. It doesn't make me fit. I can know all of the correct ways to eat. I can know all of the correct foods to avoid and the foods to add to my diet. It doesn't make me healthy. Maturity is the same way. And when we fail to begin to apply and walk out the things that we know and we understand, 
what we begin to do is we begin to step into a place of arrogance that says, I know how to handle this. I know what to do. And yet your life doesn't look like Christ. You know all of the right answers. You know all of the correct things. And yet your life is not a light because you don't look like Christ. It's the difference between wisdom just by itself and maturity. I want you to look at this. I want to see, look, let's look at God's heart for maturity. Let's throw this verse up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 3. It says this, and I, brethren, this is just, we're going to change the translation here in a second, but I wanted to read it in New King James first. So, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able that, that hurts. <laughs> He's like, I started you off because you were babes, and you're still babies. I still can't give you better stuff. I still have to give you the milk. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. Our standard, you catch the difference there. You're not created to just behave like normal people. The standard you see around you is not your standard. When you look out and you, you, you're at work and you have your coworkers beginning to talk about situations or you're like, man, I'm really struggling with my kids and they're like, oh yeah, well, you should do this. This is da-da-da. That's not your standard. You're not created to behave like mere people. You have been redeemed and set free to live like Christ. That's a heavy standard. That is, that is a challenging standard. The question is, how do we do that? How do we learn what Christ would do, think, and act in any given situation? I want to read this in, in the Passion Translation because it's, it's kind of fun. Let's look at this. It says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Man, that is intense. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food of more advanced teachings because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. Paul is not mincing words here. This is, this is not just a little like, hey, we're going to have a good little message today. Mm-hmm. Feel good about ourselves and go home and have our barbecues. And, do you know what I'm saying? This is like, oh, man, this cuts me. This cuts me deep, Shrek. Cuts me deep. You know what I'm saying? Listen, there's a link between your carnal nature and immaturity. Do you see what he's tying together? He's tying together these mindsets of the flesh, carnality, and immaturity. Do you want to know if you're mature or immature? Like self-evaluation? Yeah, I'm like, that's me. I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, well, which, which category do I fall into? 
Well, um, let's see. Am I struggling with envy? Is it dominating my, the way that I'm thinking about situations? What about strife? Man, do I, do I compare myself with other people? Am I quarreling like children and taking sides? Then yes. Right now, you can consider yourself immature and you have some, some space to grow. Unfortunately, we have to, at times, take a real hard look at ourselves through this lens. The reason isn't to be uh, like, oh, like super sad and bummed out and like condemned and then like walk around like, oh man, woe is me. I'm lowly and my flesh is weak and, 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 and walk around. It's actually to take stock of where we're at so that we know where to grow. You know the difference between the people at Five Stones that I was referring to and lots of other people that I've worked out with? You want to know the difference? The difference is, is that they are, they are continually able to evaluate what they're doing and not be bummed out about their lack of progress. Being able to be coached in a way that says, hey, you're doing this wrong. This is where you need to make a change. They're like, great, perfect. Why? Because they don't let their ego get in the way of the progress they want to have. You guys hear that? In other words, they, there's an attitude of humility in, wow, okay, so, I, man, I've been struggling with, 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 like, envy. Like, I've been, like, comparing myself with people and, like, ah, oh, it's just been, like, creating, like, frustration in my relationships. Okay, great. Perfect. Jesus. Okay, what are we going to do about this? Because I want to look like you. I want to represent you. Okay, let's do this. Let's move forward. There's an actual, an attitude shift that doesn't say like, oh man, I'm such a horrible person. No. I'm just weak in that area. I'm immature. I need to get some strength. Let's do this. Let's move forward. So again, the question, right, is how do we learn what Christ would do, think, or act in a given situation? We're going to keep coming back to this question because I want you to think about it. I want you to ponder, like, how do we actually do this? What does it look like in actual life? You know, when I was a kid, the, the bracelets, WWJD, were like super popular, right? We'd all have them like, ah, I'm a cool kid, I have WWJD. I mean, people that weren't Christians were wearing them. It was like everyone had a WWJD bracelet. Do you know what I'm saying? Now it's a meme, you know? Which is unfortunate because in reality, that is the question you need to be asking yourself. Is how would Jesus act in this situation how would he respond to my children right now when they are screaming and throwing a fit and fighting? Do you know what I'm saying? How, how would he respond to this argument that I'm having with my spouse right now? How would he handle the temptation I'm facing in fudging some numbers on my taxes? How would he handle this legitimately? I want to look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says this, for though, uh, sorry about all the text on there. I didn't want to do multiple slides on this one. Buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> all the graphic designers are like, oh, I can't read it. There's too many words. Uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Did you see that? By this time, you should be a teacher, and yet you still need someone to teach you. Again, what's the standard? The standard, he's actually writing 
God is looking for mature believers. He's looking for people that can be teachers, that can help instruct and, and guide people. But because you've chosen immaturity, you still need someone to continue to teach you. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Man, again. For, see, babe, it's okay to not be able to drink milk. See, right there. For everyone who only, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's really interesting, this, this phrase right here where it says, unskilled in the word of righteousness. The, the word word there is logos, which means the manifestation of. This is why Jesus is called the logos. He's in the beginning was the word, right? The word was with God. The word is God. Why? Because the word logos, it's the manifestation of this idea, this thing called righteousness, You're unskilled in manifesting righteousness in your life. Righteous living. Wow. I'm unskilled in it. It's not that you don't want to be righteous. It's not that you don't want to make right choices. It's you're unskilled in it. Have you ever seen someone try to do like a lunge that's never done a lunge before? It's like they can, they can, it's, they're unskilled in it. It's not that they don't want to. They wish that they were strong enough to do that. It's that they're unskilled in it. They haven't practiced. And so it goes on. It says, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. By reason of use. So here's the thing. Is this referring to just like a lifetime of failures to where you finally can make right choices? I really hope not. I really hope. Really hope not, because I don't want a lifetime of failure so that at some point in my life I can be like, okay, now I can finally know the difference between good and and evil. So the question is, is how does this work? How do you get to this place? How is reason of use? What is it, like, how does practically living life teach you to discern good and evil? We're going to look at this in a second. Some of you guys might be asking, well, with all this talk of maturity, why would Jesus say you have to be like a child to enter the kingdom? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Right? You guys were all asking that, yes? Yes. (laughs) Some of you were. I bet you some of you were like, wait a second. Jesus said I had to come like a child. What do you mean being a grown-up? Aren't we supposed to be babies? Well, I'm here to tell you no. You're not supposed to be a baby. Childlikeness is different than childishness. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge difference. When Jesus was referring, he said, you need to come like a child. It's referring to something specific. And we want to look at, I just want to give you the difference because you are supposed to be like a child. But that isn't to say you're not supposed to be mature either. So childishness, right? Childishness is naive, immature, unable to discern between good and evil, mindless obedience. I want to pause there for a second because we oftentimes have made the mistake in church to equate maturity with mindless obedience. 
In other words, like you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just tell me what's right or wrong and I'll do, I'll do what's right. You just tell me what to do. That is a mark of immaturity. That is what my children do. That's what my two, three, four, five-year-olds do. Right? Just tell me what to do. No, don't do that. Do this. Okay. No touch. Okay. No, you don't want your child to have to live life for the rest of their life, right? To have to be told not to touch a hot stove. Not to stick their finger in an outlet. Right? We have somehow in the church like equated being childlike, this, this incredible description that God gave us, which is a secret into entering into the kingdom, which we're going to look at in a second, we've equated that with this sort of naive, immature way on how to live life. That you just, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mindlessness. It's like this mindless obedience. But God's heart for you is that you can learn to discern between good and evil. He wants you to be able to be an ambassador that fully represents heaven in your world. That you can step into and he can fully release authority on your life to where you can step into your workplace and say, I know exactly what Jesus would do here. I know exactly what the kingdom looks like in my workplace. I can walk it out. I can make decisions that represent heaven, that represent God because I have his heart. I know his heart. Childlikeness Becoming like a child looks like awe, wonder, excitement, humility, unburdened by the fear of man. Jesus was describing an attitude that says, listen, you need to get to a place in your life where you are not concerned about what people think about you. If you want to enter into the kingdom, there is this doorway that says you need to be humble. I'm going to tell you what, this list right here is a secret that I have used to stir my heart for worship week in and week out. I grew up going to church. I literally don't remember a time where I wasn't in church on a Sunday morning. And to be 36 and to still be desperately in love with Jesus is a testament to being able to actually steward an attitude of worship. And I, I understand, like, this isn't what I'm talking about, but if you are here and you're like, I don't get worship. I don't get why we sing songs. Like, they're good songs, but, like, it takes too much time in the morning. Like, and, and people are moving their hands around and just, this is weird. Like, and there's somebody crying next to me. Why are they crying? Like, ah, oh, did they really have this bad of a week? Did they, like, sin a bunch of times? Like, why are they crying? Like, there's a person with a flag. What the... Why do they have a flag in church? What is, right? I'm going to tell you what. When, as soon as I discovered this childlike wonder in the glory and the goodness of God, all of that begins to fade away. Because God is so good. He's so good. At any moment, I can just begin to sing and worship. And it's like my heart explodes and just like, oh, my goodness. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Come on, all your promises are yes and amen. Oh, man, I can just, any song like, oh, Lord, I give you my heart, and I just, it's like, I'm right there. Why? Because you steward a sense of awe and wonder. That is being like a child. Child Childlikeness, unburdened by the fear of man. 
Man, I don't have time to tell stories, but I have some doozies about that one. <laughs> Choices that I make that, well, let's just say it's fun to laugh about it now. <laughs> Unburdened by the fear of man. I'm going to tell you what, though. Being able to let go of the opinions of people around you and fully engage in a place of worship will set you free. It will, it will reignite your passion and love for Jesus like few other things will. The last thing that I believe Jesus was referring to. Now, he could have been referring to a lot of different things. We're just pulling out a couple of them. The last one that is coming like a child to the kingdom is this attitude of a learner. To come like a child is to maintain the attitude of a learner. I want you just to think about this for a second. The attitude of a learner. Think about those, those, those people working out at that gym. The attitude of a learner. I'm never too old to not learn something new. I've never been doing this move for so long that I cannot be shown another aspect of it. I've never been in this long, so long that I can't be coached on how to do it a little better. See, God does work in layers. Your life does work in layers. Learning takes place in layers. Uh, when I was in school, our English program that we used um, at the school that I, was, that I was going, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th, their English program is like the English language and arts program is really astounding. It's like killer, but it was boring. And you want to know why it was boring? Because you learned everything that you learned in 12th grade, you learned it in 9th grade. And for four years, the textbook was almost identical. But each chapter had, a, had like two or three extra pages attached to it each year. And it was almost the exact same order as well. And each, each chapter just had like the next layer of that thing that they were learning. And to this day, I can read newspapers and books and like... I, it's hard for me to turn off the proofreading part of my mind because you just, be, you just begin to see the way that like, sentences are supposed to work and correct uh, like, punctuation and, and even words. Okay, funny. Like, I remember these words. Ready? The difference between nauseous and nauseated. Anybody? Nauseous means you make someone nauseated. <laughs> nauseated means to feel like you're going to throw up. <laughs> When you say, oh, man, I'm so nauseous, you're saying that you cause people to feel nauseated. That's what you're saying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Accept and accept, right? Mm-hmm. A and E. We could, go, we could go through a whole list of these. They're just like, they're just programmed in the back of my head. Why? Because of repetition, layered learning. Layered learning. Jesus works with us in the same way. When you get saved, he doesn't give you this list of things that are wrong in your life that you have to get rid of. He says, come to me just like you are, discover how good I am, and we're going to walk together, and things are going to fall off in layers. This attitude that you've been struggling with, all of a sudden it's going to like show up in a certain situation, and it comes off a little bit, and then a little bit more. Ten years down the road, you're going to be in a situation like, I thought I took care of this, and it's like, no, it's time to go deeper with it. It's time to, to, to upgrade to the next place. Yeah. 
the attitude of a learner. If you let go of this attitude, you will stop. Your maturity will be frozen in place. This attitude of a learner, this is the heart of discipleship. It's the heart of discipleship. Now, discipleship is a word we, we've used in church a lot. If you've gone to church at all, you're very familiar with this. And most of us automatically, like, oh, it's the six-week class that you do after you become a new believer. Or it's that rooted class they do, the discipleship class. Sorry, that's not what discipleship is. Those things will help. Those things are tools. Those are aids. Discipleship is a lifelong process. Discipleship is the way Jesus describes your daily walk. Your daily walk is intended to be discipleship. You are called to be a disciple. It's part of your identity that you are continually learning. You are continually growing. You are continually maturing. That you don't do a class and you're like, done, got it, I'm mature. I've been discipled. No, you actually haven't been. (laughs) Because it's a lifelong process and journey where you lean into Jesus and you lean on him in your daily walk. See, Matthew 28, right? 18 through 19 says it this way. And Jesus came and spoke to him. This is right before he goes up to heaven. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make converts of all. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Go and make Christians of all nations. No. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a reason why Jesus said to make disciples. Because there is a process of growth that is needed in our lives. There is an attitude that says, I'm going to latch myself onto Jesus, and I'm going to walk with him in every situation in life. I'm going to lean on his wisdom. I'm going to lean on his input in every situation of my life. I will never get to a point and say, I got this. I don't need your help. No, 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 dad. No, no, dad. I do it. I do it. All the kids, right? They get to a certain age. Adelie got to that age way faster than I was ready for. She just turned two, and for the last however long, she's like, no, I do it. Angry. She gets angry. She's like trying to do something. You're like, hey, do you want help? No. No, I don't want help, essentially, is what she's saying. I'm going to figure this out on my own. You're just like, oh, Lord, help me. This would go so much faster if I just put your shoes on for you. We're so going to be late. People want to know why, why, why parents with young kids are late. has nothing to do with their desire to be on time. has everything to do with their children wanting to do everything by themselves. All right? I swear, just, it's the wrong foot. It's the, this foot. Just, just. And here we are in life saying, Jesus, I got it. I'm going to put my shoes on myself. I do it. No. <laughs> And then you're crying. Why isn't my marriage working? Why are we fighting all the time? God, this isn't the one for me. What 
happened? I thought you said we were going to have a good life. And Jesus this whole time is like, you would have if you just would have listened to some input. If you would have maintained an attitude of a learner and allowed me to disciple you through the process of marriage. God, why are my kids, da-da? Why is my business failing? This is my fifth business. Why? I got it. I do it. No. See, Jesus never intended for you to walk on your own. Jesus intends for you to lean on him, to, to like have wisdom and input. He intends for you to, to be latched onto him, close to him, so that you can move forward in life with his wisdom, his input. That is the process of discipleship. That, this morning, is what I want to call you to, is to committing your heart to a place of being a disciple, to a place where you say, you know what, God, I'm tired of doing it on my own in this way. I want your input. I need your input. Please disciple me, Jesus. I am your disciple. I'm your disciple. What's incredibly beautiful about this is that in this relationship, all of a sudden, you, you, over time, God, how would you handle this situation? Jesus, I need your input. You're reading the Bible. You're getting input from the word of God. You're spending time with him saying, Jesus, give me wisdom. You get into a situation and all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to try it. This is, this is what it says. It says to love your enemies. My wife feels like an enemy right now. We are enemies on where this painting should go in our living room. The couch should be there and she wants it there, right? I mean, silly things like that. But it's real life. And all of a sudden you begin to lean on Jesus in these interactions. And what's incredible is your life begins to look like him. Every time you lean on him for some wisdom and input in how to live life, your decisions reflect Jesus. And then over time, your marriage, guess what happens to your marriage? Your marriage begins to reflect Jesus. People will come over to your house and they're going to be like, man, it feels like peace here. Yeah. Man, I can feel God's presence. And you're like, that's right, you can because our marriage has now begun to reflect him. Parenting, all of a sudden, instead of being out of control and panicked and freaking out, your parenting begins to reflect God's heart. In parenting. All of a sudden, your business begins to take on a new shape. People walk in the doors of your business and it's a different experience. Why? Because your business begins to reflect his heart for business. You know, Jesus spent more time talking about money than any other subject. God actually cares about finances and you doing a good and healthy job with them. He intends that your finances reflect his image in your community. Did you know that? There are, there are so many different aspects to this, you guys, that as we begin to lean on him, our life begins to take on his shape. And over time, this process, time converts to maturity. Discipleship is how time converts to maturity. Everyone gets old. 
But maturity is up to you. Discipleship, allowing Jesus to speak input into your life, allowing his wisdom to govern your choices. When you don't feel like it, when it doesn't feel like the right thing, it doesn't, this is not the way it's supposed to look. Ah, when you're getting wonky ideas from, the, from people around you, you say, no, I'm going to make a decision based out of what Jesus says, out of what the word of God is telling me to do. And through that process, all of a sudden, over time, remember that verse, by reason of use, your senses are exercised to discern good and evil. Over time, as you allow your life to be discipled, you begin to learn to tell the difference between them. And you begin to gather wisdom and maturity in your life. And some person's gonna come to you like, hey, I'm not really sure how to handle this situation. And you're like, I got it. Why? Because I've been leaning on Jesus for a long time. And this is what that should look like. This is how you handle this situation. See, as we look like him, we begin to live like him, right? The world around us begins to look like heaven. And the prayer, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, is answered in and through our lives. That prayer that Jesus prayed begins to be answered. Why? Because as our lives look like him, the kingdom, his will begins to be manifested in the world around us. You guys, our heart cry is that Nevada would be like heaven. In Nevada, as it is in heaven. In Nevada, as it is in heaven. And as we commit ourselves to leaning on Jesus, this is how it begins to take shape. 